This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. And welcome back. I'm Heather Carroll, and I am joined with Father John Rutten. We're broadcasting today from St. John Paul II Parish in Harrisburg, South Dakota. Thank you for joining me today, Father. Oh, grateful to. Always glad to have you come out here, Heather. So we've had great conversations this morning. We started with um, a seminarian and then an ex-seminarian and then the bishop. So it's been a filled day, and we're going to end with Father John Rutten. He's been, how many installments has this been? Like This six? is seven. Seven. So we've talked in depth about his journey uh, to the priesthood and then his journey within the priesthood and how he has um, gotten to where he is today. So we are just setting up. We have Facebook Live going on, folks. So if you wanted to check it out, you can go to Father John Rutten's Facebook page and watch us live. What a treat. What a treat. Yeah, just, you know, <laughs> last minute thought like, hey, I got an idea. <laughs> I'm going to remember this for next time. We've talked about Rutten Radio doing that too. And then in the end, <laughs> oh, yeah, I didn't even. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, we just, you know. I'm, have, do you know what Working Genius is? Patrick Lencioni, no. the amazing Parish stuff. Yeah. Well, Working Genius is like, what are the strengths and mm-hmm. mid things and weaknesses? And, um, and my last Working Genius is uh, tenacity. So, like, oh. I could just, I'm more like an idea guy and let's just go with this. And next time we maybe won't do this and maybe yeah, we will, you whatever. know. Whatever. <laughs> we're up for whatever. Yep. These. Well, so. Let's recap real quick. So we've done six um, half-hour segments with you, journey through, seminary, priesthood, etc., and where we are at today. Yes, that's correct. It's um, been a blessing. So we've, yeah, all the way through the journey, and I guess right now is that uh, great leap of faith of when we came out here to begin this parish, to found a parish uh, at a time. And I would say I didn't even really recognize the impact it would have on other people. The number of people over the last, I mean, we've been here four and a half years Hmm. and the number of people all that are like, you're starting a parish. Who starts a parish? How do you even do that? Nobody, you know, isn't the church dying? And like, I didn't realize all over the place. I mean, I've been traveled across the country, traveled to Italy and people were really amazed that a parish was starting. Really? And yeah, it struck me like, and I could just see like it gave them hope. It gave them hope that it was possible that something could be growing. Now, in my mind, maybe because I've been to seminary, you sort of have a sense that things are growing in the South or, you know, just the changes of, of demographics. But so, yeah, so four and a half years ago was this great moment where I think I was mentioning to Bishop that you're prepared for something. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I was prepared in ways I didn't know or didn't understand at the time to live something of a community, what the seminarians were talking about this morning, that this is the thing that generates everything. And my encounter, like JP was talking about, happened in a treatment center with like, like ugly, uh, greenish walls you know like (laughs) it it was like oh it was like totally institutional you know (laughs) and and yet this is where the most important thing in my life happened and so uh like my fascination became with how do i communicate the most important thing in life Hmm. and what i increasingly became aware of that it was something more than just telling people Mm. 
it wasn't just the, the, the right words, even though it was words. Uh, it wasn't just doing things. Uh, it was myself acting in life, not acting as in play acting, but acting as in like being an active protagonist in life. But it wasn't just that. Uh, it was the fact that you had this community that gathered around these buildings, but it wasn't just the buildings. And so this constant um, like fascination I had with the most important thing that happened and how do you communicate the most important thing that happened? How do you make what happened for me happen for somebody else? And it just fascinated me. And everything in seminary that I really was doing, I can look back now and I can see this is what was going on. Was I was like sifting all of these things I was being given through this experience and saying, but this doesn't match what happened to me. A great example, I think I said on another time, was uh, we were uh, learning about evangelization. And I'm sitting in the seminary, really bright professors. Like the, my seminary class was super bright. Like one of the guys was like way off the charts, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and and really wonderful men too. Like not even just intellectual men, but like men who'd really given their life uh, in ways. And we were doing this class in evangelization, and it struck me, Heather, if this is the only th way of evangelization, I wouldn't have been reached. I wouldn't be sitting in this chair if this was the only hmm. way. So maybe it's a way to evangelize. Right. But right, I was in a treatment center. Right. Uh, it was a Protestant minister. Um, I, you know, like there were so many things that I was like, okay. Uh, so everything was being sifted uh, hmm. through this, like how, what does it mean that the most important thing happened to me in this way? And how do I communicate the most important thing that happened to me? When I say communicate, not just tell the story. How do I propose and, and uh, help another encounter the same one I did? And it's been a long journey. But when it came time to like discern they were trying to find a priest to go begin this parish in Harrisburg... All these things, like, all of a sudden, in a moment, came to this, what do you call that? Like a, a convergence. Yeah. And it was like, I think I'm the priest that's supposed to go to Harrisburg. <laughs> uh, no way. <laughs> no. Me? Me? Uh, and I remember I've got a book called Disarming Beauty, and I remember reading this book. And at the end of the book, the last chapter is, is called, How Does a Presence Come to Be? Presence with a capital P. Mm -hmm. How does Christ come to be? How does encounter come to be? How does... And and I remember I went to Bishop Swain at the time, and I, I gave him the book and wrote him a little note, and I said... Um, I I go out on this mission confident uh, only because I've discovered that what is inside this book is still happening today. That this, like, it is possible to communicate. It is possible to propose the thing. I can't make God happen for you. Only God converts. Mm -hmm. You know, Bishop even said it, didn't he? He said he was, how did he say it? He said there was like the the call and then the the seminarian's discernment. So I can't do your part. Right, right. But what I kept realizing is, how do I do my part in a way that makes your part really possible? 
And the thing that has struck me most is how does a presence come to be? One lives in such a way that they're fascinated by the reality of Christ and it just happens to another. They become fascinated by the fascination that another human person has. It's a human thing. It happens through people. Uh, but it happens through people who are alive in such a way that it sort of sparks. The sparks go out. They don't turn around and like start telling everyone to do. They're like engaged with the Son of God. They're engaged in this reality. Christ is like in my life in such a way that other people will become attracted to that. Well, it's kind of like when something big happens on the news and everybody's staring at the television. You're not turning around telling everybody what's happening. We're all staring at the same thing. It's an awesome image, Heather. I don't know. That's it. That's it. And so the trick is, after you've been watching the television station for for long, uh, you can lose the fascination with the same show. Mm. Maybe maybe the the storyline has taken a turn, and you can turn the channel. And then you're going to find yourself turning around, telling everybody. Yeah. But you got to stay and let the plot take its course yeah. and just be like, no, even this downturn's fascinating. <laughs> Why? Because as we said before, you grow in your attraction to the whole thing and you're like, oh no, we might be entering Calvary. <laughs> right? And you're just like, oh boy, I don't want to lose sight of you now. <laughs> and then everybody's like, why, are, why is that person so able to stay present to that? difficulty, you know? And so this is the thing that, and in time, the thing begins to grow. And so to be sent out here was a beautiful experience, but very, I mean, there's lots of like, what in the world are we going to do? How is this going to happen? And Father Chuck Simple had been here with the community uh, saying mass on Sundays and they had a religious head program. So there was a a small group of people that were meeting, Mm -hmm. Um, but we went from 40 families that signed up that first few weekends, you know, to 100, to 160, to 200, to 280. And it's just been, it's just this, this life that is pulsating. And we have desires for a church, and, and we have desires to be able to kneel at Mass. and we have the, but, but we all have those in proper context of the fact that we can say, but I know Christ. Hmm. You know, I just, I was with someone the other day, and they were speaking about him, and I thought, wow. I wonder if you ever go to bed and are like totally in awe of the fact that you know him. <laughs> before, you know, that didn't happen before. That person wasn't speaking that way before, you know? And so there's like, and to me, that's fascinating. Yeah, I want the church. And yes, I want to do all these other things too. But to me, that's the most important thing. That's why I, what I come awake in front of. And, and I think it makes other people want to know. And lastly, I'll close. There was uh, after mass the other day. There was someone who said uh, they were baking, and in the midst of baking, they had this thought of their mom. Okay, and she—you could see all of the affection arise in her, and she was able to recognize like she belongs to Christ, like God is present here. And I was so alive because there was not an ounce of sentimentality. And something like that could become so sentimental. I'm baking, and it's the time I used to do it with my mom. No, it was like filled with her awareness that God is here. Uh, and in such a way that I thought, that's it. 
Mm. That's it. Mm. She is growing in such a way that she, her whole life is now like, I wonder where he's showing up. I wonder where the plot's <laughs> going. I wonder what the next turn's going to be. Uh, and this is the thing that fascinates me. And uh, I think the parish, as pastor of St. John Paul II Parish, it's a privilege to have been given this time to test, to risk this. Yeah. Who else gets to have a church without a parish without a building to see if this is possible? Yeah. I mean, I see it's a privilege, but it's also a huge risk. The people have had huge. I love the people. I am so proud of my parishioners. I am so proud of them for like the risk they take every day to say, "I'm with it. Um, he's here. I'm, I've met him. I'm going to keep following this." Well, we're going to take a quick break, Father John. But when we come back. We're going to share some news, big news. Yeah. Big, 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 big news. Big, big. We've, yeah. Big news for uh, St. John Paul II Parish here in Harrisburg. Uh, more Real Presence Live right after this. Stay with us, folks. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. Did you know you can listen to the RPR Network when you're on the go? Just search for Real Presence Radio in your app store. Listen live to any station across the network at any time, so you can stay connected to your local community from wherever you are. Plus, if you miss a program, the Real Presence Radio app is your one-stop shop for local and national podcasts, including our signature show, Real Presence Live. The Real Presence Radio app, with you every step of your faith journey. Download it today and see what you've been missing. The simple fact is that we're all called to serve, no matter what our state in life might be. You know, Jesus himself said, I've come not to be served, but to serve. And and he told his apostles, you know, the greatest among you will be the servant of all. No matter what our, our state in life might be, we have ways of reaching out to others. Pope John Paul II used to say that we really discover who we are by giving of ourselves. And it's so true. You know, I, I have found this to be the case. I'm still figuring out, you know, different ways that I'm called upon to serve the people of my diocese and I think my priests would say the same thing uh, every one of us has a different way that we can be servants to those around us you know it might be moms or dads in the home it might be among our our co-workers at work it might be among our fellow students whatever the case might be uh, we're, we're all called upon to share the gifts that we have no matter how great or small those gifts might be and Searching for more great Catholic content? Visit our website at realpresenceradio.com. Find Catholic news you can trust, information about events coming up in the local area, and the latest on what's happening at the RPR Network. And don't forget that you can listen to any of our stations around the clock from anywhere in the world. Need prayers for someone or something in your life? You can submit those through our online form for the entire family to pray for. Real Presence Radio, your family of faith and hope. Online at realpresenceradio.com. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. And welcome back. I'm Heather Caro, and I'm joined by Father John Rotten this morning, and we're broadcasting today from St. John Paul II Parish in Harrisburg, South Dakota, and we're just talking about Father John's journey to 
being the pastor of this parish. So let's take a step back before we announce the big news. But like, how did you even start? Like, you literally didn't even have a building. Like, where do you start, Father? That's a great <laughs> question. This, this. Well, you start with what's already begun, and and so like nothing of Christianity is original. Nothing of Christianity we just create out of nothing. Sure. Only God the Father created out of nothing. Okay? True. So where do you start? You start with the, the there was a mass going here. Father Chuck Simple, out of Holy Spirit, had an extra mass. He'd come down here to the high school. There was a group of people meeting in the high school. You go there. Hmm. Okay. Hey, everybody. Here we are. What do we do now? Okay. Well, then, I mean, obviously, aware you need things. Okay. Then you say, Lord, this is what we need. And mm-hmm. what did we need? We needed a place to, to work. We needed a place to, I need a place to live. And you live the need, but you live it open to the circumstances. And we normally would get a duplex and you live in one side and then you work out of the other side and the garage of the work side becomes the chapel. It's oh, just wow. a pretty typical thing that's been done before uh, in our diocese. And, okay. But Harrisburg doesn't have duplexes like that. It just, they didn't have housing available that was in that way. And so looking at a house and I was like, that doesn't seem right. And then um, we drove down the street once and I was like, hey, go over there. Uh, I was with Father Simple actually. And I went and I got out and I looked in the window of this bank <laughs> and I was like, uh, f- closed bank. There was nobody in it. You know, they had, they had left their lease and I'm like, this is perfect. <laughs> I couldn't see anything. And then I was just like, okay. And then we went on and looked around. Well, then I went up to the diocese and the person that was helping us, the diocese had two uh, places. They thought, well, what do you think of these? And they were next door to the, they were the room, the buildings next door, uh, oh. the corner. And I didn't tell them at the time that I had already looked at the same building, <laughs> but I was like, uh, yeah, I think that might that work. So we went and we looked at the other two. And finally I said to the guy, I said, do you have keys for the end building that, bank <laughs> and so we came in here and it's been home and it works i'd say it just oh it's amazing you know i'd say it just keeps unfolding like all of the things what is my need what is the parish's need and then you look and you live and you what you pay attention and you just begin to see certain things fit that and you know we moved in here and at the time there were tellers all kind of behind where you're sitting heather mm-hmm. and mass was over here where this library is at and one time I was offering mass and I'm trying to figure out like, how do we get a chapel? Like, how do we, and I just looked up at that soffit and I was like, oh, you know what? We could hang drapes from that soffit. Mm-hmm. So just think, it and works. then just unfolded. And now it's been like that. So uh, we have a space that's big if we need to have like a, a holy day mass, if we need to. Um, but then we have our daily mass in a smaller area. It's beautiful in there. Uh, but we, so that's how things happen. You start with what's already growing what's already happening and then you just recognize your needs and then what unfolds from there and one of the things that we have had a great need for is land Mm -hmm. and to know where we're going and early on the parish had a uh, the parish council discerned some things and we looked at some options and we really felt called to a certain place and then the bishop changed and we also didn't have the, the resources. The man himself. The man For those himself. that aren't familiar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bishop Swain was the one who founded the parish. Yep. Well, I didn't found the parish. Bishop Swain founded the parish and named it St. John Paul II. Um, I'm here as his representative. And 
Uh, so we, Bishop Swain retired and then Bishop DeGroote came. And at the time we wanted to get this land, we were, I was nervous about some financial things. And then he was like, Hey, help me understand this. Uh, I'm new. Um, and we got a company to look and tell us, Hey, in this whole region, what would you guys do if you had these options? Mm-hmm. Without knowing we had already taken a journey, they came to the exact same decision by looking at data and looking at like what they understand demographics and how churches work and stuff. And God's like, I already got this figured out. (laughs) Yeah. And there was some temptation in me that was like, well, why do we have to go through all of this if we had already discerned the right decision? But actually like immediate, I was like, no, like it's certainty. It gave us certainty, confidence. Like this is where we're supposed to be. Uh, so we announced that a couple weeks ago, and people are, are so excited to know. It's a beautiful location right off Minnesota Avenue, which is a main drag all the way from Sioux Falls into Harrisburg. It's going to be the center of Harrisburg City for a long, long, long time. And then the main drag off the interstate into Harrisburg is the other um, oh, wow. road. So we're like at the cross points, which for me has always been uh, the place of the church. The church has always, the building has always been in the center of the community. If you go to the middle, and you've gone into these European towns and go into the town square, Mm -hmm. the church is always in the town square, and it's raised up high. Yeah, cathedral, perfect example. Yeah, you get people coming over to America, and they're developing these cities. Where's the the churches? Downtown, Mm because the center of life is downtown. Uh, And then as things change post-war America and the, the century, the generations before, you get neighborhood churches, because people walked and maybe had one car in the family. And and so lots of us come out of neighborhood parishes, but the church is moving into an age in which the center of a community is not where you walk or ride a bike. The center of a community is places you drive. Mm. And so our location is really beautifully located in a place where many people will drive by it. It'll be the center of the community, even for those that don't belong to our parish, that aren't Catholic. It's right next to the high school, which is sort of the epicenter of this whole area here. So it's just a beautiful, really excited. People are really, really excited to get rolling. And, um, you know, when we'll be able to build a church is going to require some money, and we're Mm -hmm. preparing for that stage. Well, just buying the land. It's going to be money. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, let's not talk. We do do have part of that coming, and we're working on that. So it's going to be much more expensive than normal. But, you know, in 50 years, we'll look back and be like, ah, that was Eh, nothing. It was worth it. but I went to a funeral a couple weeks ago, and at this funeral, a guy pulled me aside, and he's a father. Um, you know, people always ask me, isn't there a farmer in Harrisburg? I'm like, no, they're all Methodists or Lutherans. That's why there's no Catholic parish. Oh. So there's no, like, significant, there are some, but there's no significant, like, 50 families that owned all this land. And sure. somebody just wants to say, here's some acres or some money. And um, But this guy comes and he says, Father, I'm just a farm boy from Schindler, South Dakota. And Schindler is just to the northeast of here. It's just like a little tiny town that's almost disappeared now. There's literally maybe two buildings. He says, I'm just a poor farm, grew up poor farm kid in Schindler, South Dakota, but God's blessed me, and I'd like to bless you. Uh, I was thinking I'd give you a million dollars when I die. <laughs> and what? Heather, my jaw was on the ground. You're like, is this a joke? And the next time I met with him, he said, you know, I think I'm going to give you two, because that kind of knocks you between the eyes, doesn't it? (laughs) And I'm like, oh, my God can do anything he wants. 
anything. I never <laughs> knew this man, really. Uh, he that? isn't in the parish. He just grew up right down the road, is Catholic, is faithful. Made, God blessed him in an industry uh, in Nebraska, and he moved back here. Uh, and he just grew up a small farm kid nearby, uh, used to ride the train into downtown Sioux Falls with his mom. He, his dad made $10 a week building the dam at Lake Alvin. And he just says, God bless me greatly, and I'd just love to bless this new parish. Wow. $2 million. It just hits you between the eyes, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we got to announce and introduce him to the parish a wow. couple weeks ago, and people were just so joyed. And this man is filled with joy. What this man is filled you. with joy to be an instrument of God in this world, and that is what the Christian is called to come to be. That's what a presence in this world is, is one who knows I'm an instrument of the divine presence of Jesus Christ mm -hmm. in this world. And how do I know it? Because my life is different. Yeah. What a gift it is to be called into this friendship. Uh, all began in Bethlehem. Amen. And a new little place here in the plains of South Dakota, Harrisburg. Beautiful. Good things happening here at St. John Paul II Parish in Harrisburg. Therese uh, is up in Fargo. Therese, will you share with us what's happening tomorrow? Yeah, so tomorrow we've got a Best of Real Presence Live lined up. That'll be Thursday from 9 to 11 a.m. Central. John Berger shares about the importance of the nativity scene. And Nancy Gordon, Father William Slattery, review a Christmas classic. All that and much more is coming up on the Best of Real Presence Live. That's Thursday from 9 to 11 a.m. Central. Back to you. All right. Thanks, Therese. And thank you, Father. It's been a wonderful show. If anybody's missed any of it, they can go to realpresenceradio.com. Check out our podcast anywhere you get your podcasts. We're there. Just look us up, and you can play it over and over. Heather, thanks for all you do to bring the gospel to so many people. Thank you so much for joining me. It's a privilege to be with you. Will you send us with a blessing? Yes, the Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May the God of goodness, truth, and love, who has opened your hearts and minds, continue to guide you in his way. May the peace of Christ be with you this day. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. St. John Paul II. Pray for us. This has been Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Real Presence Live brings you inspirational stories of faith and a look at the good and holy things happening in our local area. Weekday mornings from 9 to 11 Central. Tune in for an encore of each show beginning Saturday morning at 6. Get the podcast any time of day or night at yourcatholicradiostation.com or on the Real Presence Radio app. And remember, you can be a part of the conversation through Facebook and Twitter. Real Presence Live, local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network.